In the book of Philippians, uh, we, we've been doing a series out of the book of Philippians. But in that book is, is something that I think is really important. And what's really important about it is that uh, we oftentimes come to the scripture looking for tidbits, some, some word for the day to help us through the day instead of trying to allow the word of God to fundamentally change the way that we operate, to fundamentally change who we are internally, to change our thinking, to change our life literally from the bottom up and, and to cause us to be people that are fully in, involved and engrossed in the life of Christ and to see that take shape in such a way that uh, our lives are changed and our world is changed. To, to see this take place, to see it happen, to, to allow God to work it in our lives on that level, that's, that's what we oftentimes do not come to the scriptures for. But here at Outward Church, we believe that every word of God proves true. We believe that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we believe that it can cut to the heart of who we are and to change, to change us, to change us. Our country, our world has been wanting change, has been wanting fundamental change. It wants to see less death. It wants to see people loved. And it, it longs for peace in spite of the fact that many of us do things that do not create peace. We long for something that we ourselves do not possess. And Christianity, fundamentally, not American Christianity, not churchianity, not uh, anything that we've come up with, but Christianity and the definition of it out of the scriptures is the only thing in the world that can provide the peace that everyone longs for. It's, it is the only way of life that can fundamentally change who you are. You can lose weight, you can try to act differently, but Christianity is the only thing that can fundamentally change who you are at the core. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is this, is that as people who are church attenders, are we people who have bought in to this fundamental change, or do we want a little bit of Jesus and, and, uh, and really, we want the comforts of life. Just a little bit of Jesus, and we want the comforts of life. We really want the pleasures of life to go on and on and on. And we want Jesus to provide those for us. If we're really honest, that's, that's ultimately what we pray about. I was riding in the car yesterday, and uh, we, we talked about... Uh, you know, somebody, I was talking with the kids about praying for somebody, and uh, he said, why would we pray for them? They're not, are they, are they sick? Are they dying or something? And I was like, oh, great. We haven't just, uh, we haven't made it clear that we pray for people, even though uh, they're not just sick. But it really is, a, is symptomatic in my life of the fact that I really pray when there's a problem, when, when there's a discomfort for, for somebody else. Or, and even for myself, and have not communicated well enough to my kids that, no, we pray for people to go beyond 
just the sickness. And we should pray for sickness. But to go beyond the sickness, to pray for something else. And in fact, that's what the Apostle Paul does here in, uh, in verse 18. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 19, but we'll, we'll pick it up out of verse 18. Let me just give you a quick reminder of what's taking place here. The Apostle Paul, he is in prison. He's sitting in prison. He's uh, going to go on trial. We're not really sure exactly how that's all working out, but he may get sentenced to death. He may get released. Uh, not entirely sure, but the guy is in misery. He's probably chained to uh, a guard on a regular basis. And he gets to sit there and share the gospel with this guard. And so he's telling the church in Philippi, he's saying, I know that it looks like the gospel is being thwarted. I know that it looks like my ministry is not effective. I know that it looks like God's plan of disseminating his word, his gospel, the truth about how God has, has made possible salvation, that truth, that, that plan is still in, very much in place and in fact, it's advancing. And if you were to look at, the, uh, at, at this passage here, he says in verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's saying, uh, and, and as a result, I'm chained to these guys. I'm preaching the gospel to them. They're able to hear about the, the, the truth of what God has for us. And so he's rejoicing in this. In fact, he ends that little section with saying, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He's saying, uh, what, whatever happens, whether people are preaching the gospel to get after me and they're, they're condemning me, nevertheless, they're preaching the gospel. No matter what's happening in my life, the gospel's being preached, and I'm excited about that. So whether people like me or hate me, I don't really care. Paul has this incredible drive in his life to say, like, I don't care what happens. I just want the gospel to be advanced right here and right now. And he says, I rejoice in that. And so we pick it up halfway through verse 18, which is uh, the next section. And it says this, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers... And the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Verse 20 says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And here is uh, like one of the biggest Christian statements it is, it's huge, and he says, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 22, he says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Now, in a nutshell, just that statement, verse 21, is like it is, it is the fundamental like the baseline understanding of, of what it means 
to be a Christian. It's the fundamental understanding. However, it can be confusing because you, you look at it and you say, what, what does that even mean, Paul? What, what are you trying to say here? What, what, is that, what is that actually saying here? And so I want to explain three things to you. What does it mean? Why would you want it? And how to get it? What does it mean? Why would you want it? And how to get it. So just take that statement because it's, it's just smack dab in the middle there of this uh, short passage that we're talking about. And he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does that mean? Well, first of all, the word is right before Christ and the word is before gain isn't really in the original manuscript. And so what it would say is this, for to me to live Christ to die, gain. So he's fundamentally saying, he's saying, like the source of my life, uh, my life, everything that I'm about is Christ. For me to live Christ. He's saying I want to live the life of Christ. I want to live who he is. In fact, you can back up one verse here and you can, you can look at what he's saying here. He says, as it is my eager expectation and hope, that I will not at all that, that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. That Christ would be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now think about that for a second. He's saying that no matter what happens. The fundamental principle of my life is that Christ would be honored in, in who I am and what I do and everything about me. That Christ would be absolutely honored in who I am. Now, how many of us can say that that's the fundamental principle of our life? How many of us can say, like, no matter what happens... I want Christ to be honored in me, whether I live or whether I die. I think the way that you really get at this, and I think Matthew Henry points this out quite well, is through the idea of death. In fact, he says several things here. Matthew Henry is an old, old commentator. He says, number one, it is the undoubted character of every good Christian that to, uh, that to him to live is Christ. The glory of Christ ought to be the end of our life. The grace of Christ, the principle of our life. The word of Christ, the rule of it. The Christian life is derived from Christ and directed to Christ. He is the principle, rule, and end of it. And then secondly, he says, all those to whom to live is Christ, to them to die will be gain. It is great gain, a present gain, everlasting gain. See, the way to find out uh, what this means in our lives, the way to find out whether this is truly effective in our lives is this, is that could I say in all honesty that for me to die would be to gain. And for me to die would be gain. 
He says in verse 22, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. I don't know if I want to stay or whether I should go. Don't think about that song right now. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what I want to do. He says in, in verse 23, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Now, I just, I, I'm not going to take a poll, so don't raise your hands. But how many of us walked in here today and said, I just want to depart and be with Christ? I just, I, like, I, I, if I were to depart and be with Christ, I could say, in all honesty, that that would be far better than what I'm dealing with. And that would be far better. I, I had to wrestle with this this, this week. I, I had to wrestle with this idea. Because I, I obviously have to ask myself, do I believe that it would be far better to be with Christ? In my family... There's been a lot of cancer. My dad's dad, my grandfather, whom I never met, died when I think he was about 50 of pancreatic cancer. My dad's uh, mom, my grandmother, who I did know, she died of leukemia, I think. Um, my mom's had cancer. My dad's had cancer. And I, and I, and I'm, I just... I, I don't know if this happens when you hit 40. I don't know. Uh, someone, someone with gray hair tell me, like, I don't know. I'm like 41. I just I had this morbid thought of, like, man, I haven't been to the doctor in, like, six years. I haven't been to the doctor. I don't really like going to the doctor. don't need to go to the doctor. But I just I, I started thinking about my family, started thinking about my kids, started thinking about the fact that I want to be around for them. And so I, I, I called the doctor, and I, I thought, well, I mean, I, maybe that's the first step. Maybe just go, go get a checkup or something, however awkward that is. I don't know what they're going to do to me, but, uh, like, uh, I'm just going to stop there. I had a big problem last week. If you were here, I just should shut up. But um, um, I, I, I started thinking about that. And, and I could sense in myself, like, man, I could be really fearful about this. I could be really fearful about, about my wife and kids being in a home um, that's almost finished, um, but not quite yet, having bills to pay that, whatever. And we got life insurance, but it ain't that much, so don't get your hopes up, but... Um, <laughs> Um, but I started thinking about that, and I, and I, and I thought, man, I, I just, there's, there was fear building, and, and, and I had to reconcile with that and just say, man, Lord, like, I, like, I don't want to live in fear of death. Like, what is this? What is going on here? I think God was preparing me for this sermon. Because I have to ask myself the question, like, Matt, is my desire to depart and be with Christ? And could I honestly say that that is far better? That that is far better? 
Because the Apostle Paul has reduced Christianity down to this one statement, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And then you build on that where, where Matthew Henry kind of brings this out a, li- a little bit and says, all those to whom to live is Christ, to them to die will be gain. Everyone who, who their life is about Christ, like the fundamental principle of who they are, how they operate, what they want, what they desire, is like, it could be summed up with one word, and that is, I live Christ. I guess that's three words, but the one word being Christ, okay? But let's, let's, let's look at this a little bit. Okay, so what is it? What is it? Because you could do a fill-in-the-blanks type thing here, and say, for me to live, blank. For me to die, blank. Let's look, at, let's look at that. Sometimes it's helpful when you're reading scripture to say, okay, what's the opposite of this? For me to live is everything. For me to die is horrific. That's the fundamental principle that I believe when I, when I let this fear roll in my heart. That's the fundamental principle of my life. To me, to live is everything. Living is everything to me. To die is absolute tragedy. Horror. Maybe you could insert yourself in this. For me, to live, real living is This thing, this life, this comfort. And this is why Christianity doesn't work for some of us. And you may be rolling, uh, doubts may be rolling in your mind. And you might be saying, I'm not sure that this is worth following. Because the reality is, is that uh, Christ is not your fundamental principle. There's something else in the blank there. My comfort my self-actualization, my whatever, my family, even good things that become God things, that's idolatry, my work, my sense of accomplishment, <coughs> the school that I go to, the relationships that I have, the experiences that I enjoy, the people that I hang out with. And even pastors have this this issue, especially church planters, people that start churches. For me to live is the church that I'm creating. For me to die is if this thing doesn't grow, that's, that's, that's it. It's tragic. For me to live is something that is about my comfort. For me to live is something about me that fulfills me, that causes me to feel good about myself and makes me famous and makes me glorious when I get the pat on the back, when I get uh, the job raised, when the girl accepts me, when the guy asks me to marry him, when there's fill in the blank there. But you should start with is to die gain because you'll depart and be with Jesus? Because the believer 
the person who has hope in Christ, who has matured, is at this place, which is, I'm not looking to avoid death. Death would be sweet release into the arms of Jesus Christ. And in him is every pleasure that I could ever desire. It's, it's everything that I could ever want. It's what my soul longs for. It's, it's, what it's, it's what it's designed for. I want to be with him. It will be better than anything. And when you look at that and you can say, okay, I desire to be with Jesus, then what follows after that is, is this, is that what you do find out is that now my thinking has actually changed. Because remember what we said early on is that Paul uses the word phreneo nine times, I believe. Uses it seven times in Romans. Romans is 16 chapters. Philippians is much smaller. But he uses that nine times, and, and phreneo means to think. And he says, I want you to think. I want you to think about this. I want right thinking in your life. And yet we come to God over and over again, and we just want him to fix things. And God says, I, I can help you with some of those things. And sometimes he does help with those things. It's a healing. The finances to be able to pay for this or that or the other thing. It's, it's, it's some comforts in life. God, he's a good father. He loves us. He longs to help his children, but ultimately what God is looking for, ultimately what God wants in my life and what he wants in your life is a fundamental change in thinking. And so if you can look at your life and you can say, okay, okay, I want to be with Christ, then what you know is that your thinking has begun to change. Your thinking has begun to change, to say, okay, to me, to live Christ. And now you're living for Christ's sake. That's what Paul is saying. Live. This is real living. This is real living. But we find ourselves putting in anything else into that, into that blank rather than the true and the living God. John Piper, Dr. John Piper, based his entire ministry on this passage. In fact, he candidated at his church, Bethlehem Baptist Church, with this passage. I just, I don't normally read um, him uh, for a sermon, but I thought, you know, I'm going to see what Piper has to say about this. It sounds like a, a Piper-esque sermon. Uh, so I read uh, his very first sermon at this church, and it's pretty compelling. But his entire ministry was, was kind of essentially built on this, on, this, on this idea from this passage. And I think he coined uh, the term Christian hedonism. And I don't know if you know what Christian he or what hedonism is, but hedonism is the search for pleasure at all costs, and that, that becomes the fundamental ethic of our lives. The search for pleasure. That's basically what I've been talking about, is that we're continually and regularly trying to find how to derive pleasure from life. 
We, we are continually trying to find pleasure in our life in whatever way we see. We are fundamentally pleasure seekers. But John Piper has kind of changed that a little bit. He says, he, he talks about Christian hedonism. So this, is, this is the real pursuit of pleasure. This is the, the real pursuit of pleasure. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. See, what does it mean? What does to live Christ, to die, gain, mean? It means a fundamental change in our thinking that says that I am all about Christ. Like, I want everything in my life to fundamentally come down to that I want to honor Christ whether I live or whether I die. Now, why would you want it? Why would you want this, this type of change in your life? It is because everything else that you could put into that blank is ultimately a God substitute. It is a false God. It is not a real God. Everything else that we go after, it's not just like a small mistake. It's not, it's not, just, it's not just like a small thing in our lives that we do. It is turning our back on God and saying, forget you, I've got another God that I serve. We're not serving the true and the living God. We're serving a fake God. We are serving pleasure in anything but God. But what this says is this. Why would you want this? Why would you want to say, to be able to say, to live Christ, to die, gain? Why would you want it? Because everything else is a false God. It will always run you dry. It's why it's difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Because you always have more money, always have more money, always have more money to soothe your lack of satisfaction in life. It's because you continually have a source of some type of pleasure and so you can never come to the end of yourself. Everything else is a God, God substitute. Everything else that you could put in there, whether it's your business, whether it's your wife, whether it's your kids. You could even put in morality in there. You could try to be a moral person. It's still a God substitute because God says that he is the only one who's good. Every substitute that we put in there will not last. And do you know what? Our world is built on giving you a definition for what your uh, deepest desire should be about pleasure. You, you should uh, have pleasure in this. You should have pleasure in that. Right now, it's all about self-fulfillment. You should fulfill yourself in whatever way you see fit. You should change your sexual identity, you should say whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want to, you should be the number one definition of what pleasure is. And do you see the chaos in our world? 
I can barely even stand to be on Facebook right now. I cannot even stand it. You know what it says on Facebook right now? Guns, 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 guns. Guns are a problem. People, people die from them. Okay. Everyone has their definition of where, where real pleasure will come from. And nobody's coming back to Christ. No one's coming back to Christ. Now, why would you want Christ as your fundamental, baseline, ultimate pleasure? Because you can find ultimate and final satisfaction in Christ. And in and through that, you can glorify God. And you will find the most ultimate source of satisfaction that you've, that you've ever been looking for. Paul gives us some more as to what this means and why you would want it. He says in verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, so that is the, that is the living part, living Christ. If I'm to live in the flesh, if, if I'm to live Christ, that means fruitful labor for me. What's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is if I'm to live in whatever pleasure-seeking thing I've been after, whatever the world has given to me as the thing to seek after, whether it's my political view, my sexuality, my finances, my family, whatever the world has given me to say, this is ultimate, this is final. If I am to live in whatever the world offers me in this life, this means fruitless labor for me and for you. It means ultimately and finally fruitless labor. You may feel like you're making a difference. You may feel like there, there's something that's going on for a time. But because the creator has created you with this ultimate desire for fulfillment in him, it will never be satisfying. It will always be fruitless labor. I praise God for the day that I was working not even a mile away from here. And I thought to myself, this is fruitless. I could do this a thousand times over. I could be in charge of whatever job site I think I want to be. I was pretty arrogant. I could do whatever I want. But God gave me a deep sense of this does not matter, Matt. It does not matter. It do, it, it, and he's was drawing me to himself. He was uh, beckoning me to come after him because I was like, this is not fulfilling. And do you know what could have happened? Had God's call on my life not been stronger, what could have happened is I, is I could have said, you know what, I just need a larger job site. I need to get with a different company that, that seems more prestigious like, they're doing the large buildings in town, so I'm going to get with that company. I'm going to get on their staff. I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill the wishes of my bosses. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get with that company. And then I would be with that company for a while, and I'd build big buildings. And then one day, what would happen is I'd say, that is not fulfilling enough. It's not fulfilling enough. And you know what I need? It's I need to start my own business 
and I need to build the biggest buildings. And I could build, and I could build, and I could build. And it was like my life flashed before my eyes. I have no idea why I'm crying right now. It was like my life flashed before my eyes, and, and God showed me, hey, Matt, you could do it, and it wouldn't matter. You could do it, and it wouldn't matter. You could do it, and it wouldn't matter. And I, and I had a deep sense that was God's call for me in my life in ministry. God was showing me not that all of our jobs are worthless unless we're doing actual church ministry. God was showing me, Matt, if your ultimate fulfillment is going to come from the jobs that you run and the places that you work, it does not matter. It will never fulfill you. Dear God, give us that. Could we pray that? Could we pray that as a church? That God would say, that, like, that we could just pray, not, God, I want to be about you. Help me to be a better person. Forget that. Enough of these silly prayers. How about, God, bring me to my knees in a lack of fulfillment for the crap in my life. Show me, because you are the sovereign God, the creator of the universe, show me where, where this ends. Show me the lack of fulfillment that will come in my life. Show me that. What does it mean? It means Christ is everything to me. Why would you want it? Because anything else that you put in there will never fulfill me or you. How do you get it? You pray fervently. God, make me suffer in this. Show me the suffering of, of my, the, show me where my pleasure is at. Show me where the, the things that I want, how they're leading me to nothingness. And allow me to be about you so that I can have fruitful labor. So that my labor can matter. So that when I go to work, my work is not my ultimate pleasure. But it's glorifying Christ as my ultimate pleasure pleasure. And you know what happens in that? When you glorify Christ and you become a principled man or you become a principled woman because you're glorifying Christ. So you can search for morality apart from Christ or you can search for Christ and God makes you more moral. God causes you to be somebody different. And so that means not only do you show up on time because you're glorifying Christ in what you do, not only are you honest because you're glorifying Christ in all that you do, but you become somebody that God has the opportunity to have favor on your life. That's what, Paul, that's what Paul's praying for in the beginning of this passage. He's saying, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ that this will turn out for my deliverance. He's saying, I'm, I want these prayers and I want the Spirit of, of Jesus Christ in my life. And he's talking about like, Either way, whether I die or whether I live, I'm going to be saved. That word deliverance ultimately means salvation. I'm going to be saved one way or another. My salvation doesn't come through my work. But what happens is this, is that when I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God and I'm asking him 
to show me how to go about my work, when I'm asking Him to work in my life through the power of His Spirit, then we become a person that God can have favor on. And His favor may be that you lose the job. And His favor may be that you go through suffering. But you know what? You won't care. Because whether you live or whether you die, Christ is all. Christ is all. He says it's, this means fruitful labor for me. If, I, if I'm, if I'm going to live, it means fruitful labor. So I'd, I'd kind of rather die because that would be far better. But Paul's thing is that his, de, his desire to die does not override his desire to serve. He's living in this tension. I want to be with Jesus, but I want to serve. But I want to serve. He says in verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on whose account? On your account. It's not on my account. You know why I don't want to die right now? On my account. Because then what, what would happen to my children? It's not entirely selfish, but it's, it's pretty much selfish. It's, it's about me. It's about my comfort. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Why is it more necessary on your account, the church in Philippi? Why is it more necessary? He says, verse 25, convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for... Your progress and joy in the faith. Stop right there for a second. Paul's whole thing is for the progress that ultimately leads to joy in the life of these people. When you can say that to live Christ, to die gain what can happen in your life as you're changing thinking, as, as your thinking changes, what can happen in your life is that your motivation becomes ultimately, I want to see the progress in these people's lives in Christ. Who are these people? Your family, your friends, the people at, at, at the church that you, that you hang out with if you, if you claim to be a Christian and you attend church. It becomes, ultimately, it becomes others motivated. In fact, you could almost, almost say it's an outward motivation, right? Outside of yourself. That's ultimately why we even called the church outward. This is not about me. It is about other people. So when Paul says, if I'm to stay and not really do what I want to do, which is to go be with Jesus, which is amazing in and of itself, but if, but if I'm going to stay, what that means is that I can have fruitful labor. I, I could labor for Christ. And what's his laboring? He's being beaten, put in prison. He's being whipped. He's being stoned. He's being put on trial. He's sitting in jail. That's what could be different. I'm, I'm after your progress, and I'm after your joy in the faith. As I was thinking about this, I was, th I was thinking, you know what? It's, there is a fundamental comfort 
that I really want out of not dying. But the truth is, is that what would make that not about my comfort would be I'm their father and I want to see them walk with Christ. And I want to lead them to that. I, oh, I want to see my, my boys and my girls love Jesus. Oh, how I want to see them walk with him. Do you see the motivation changing? Like, I want to be with Jesus. Like, I want to want to be with Jesus in death. But what I want more is I want my boys to walk with Jesus. I want to see their progress. And I want to see their joy. And I want to see my girls grow up to be godly women and to marry awesome guys who go out and do amazing ministry, their progress and their joy. And I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. And I want to be there for them. And I want to be a grandfather that, that, they, that my kids can look at and say, there's a legacy of loving Jesus in this family. And I want to follow with that. I want to be that. I want to be like my granddaddy. I want that. But too many times, my comfort is my joy. My existence is my joy. Just having family and, and enjoying that is my joy. It's not Christ in my family. Too many times. So that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Ultimately, it all comes down to this. I want to stay, not for my comfort. I don't want to die so that I can be comforted. I don't want to stay so that I can have comfort myself. I want to stay so that I can labor for your progress and your joy for the glory of Christ Jesus. Just because I, I came to you again. Can we ask ourselves this? Um, is, has there ever been a thought that says, like, I want everything in my life to be Christ? Has there ever been that thought? I want everything to be Christ. And secondly, do I have any desire to depart and be with Jesus? Or is death my biggest fear? See, our biggest problem in life right now, I mean, if, if you're looking at Facebook, is that kids are dying in schools right and left. 
And there's a lot of political solutions to that. And I know that there's a lot of differing opinions in this room. And so we're not taking sides on anything in that regard. What I am saying is that as long as it's not about the hearts of men and women being changed and it's about guns or politics, that will not work. It is a false Christ. Until it becomes about the hearts and minds of us first, that our minds change and that we're able to say, I want kids in the schools to glory in Christ. Until we can say that, and I'm willing to give up my comfort, I'm willing to give up all of the pleasures that I think I'm, I'm after, all of my false gods for these kids, until that can happen. I'm not sure that we can say that Christ is all. That to me, to live Christ, I'm not sure that we're saying that. I watched a video the other day about a guy, you may have seen this. The premise was ultimately about guns, but what he said was, I almost became a shooter. I'm a loner. People were bullying me. I hid weapons all over the place. I was all of these things. And it comes down to a false solution. It, it, yes, I agree. Children should not have assault weapons. That's just fundamentally, it's stupid. But the solution is not ultimately that. The solution to that problem is to never have the problem in the first place which is that God-fearing people who have Christ as their all in all, that I, I live Christ. In fact, Galatians, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I know it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says in Galatians 2.20. And what he says is like, like, I'm so connected with Christ that I live Christ. I'm about Christ. He gave himself for me. And when I desire to, be de to depart and be with Jesus, and you know, I want to stay here and be ab about him so that others can see his glory and be about his glory, then you know what happens in our lives? I want the kids over at Richmond Elementary to see the glory of God in Christ Jesus. And I want them to see it greater than any bully that would come after them, any parent who would abuse them, any amount of clothing that they don't have, any amount of food that they do not have. I want to come and I want to be a display of the glory of God in Christ Jesus so that that kid never thinks about hiding weapons anywhere to protect himself, that he knows that he has a Savior because he saw somebody who sees that they have a Savior who ultimately their fundamental principle in their life, their greatest pleasure is Christ. They desire to, to depart and be with him, and yet they stay here and they serve me. Why? Because Jesus gave himself for me. Because Jesus went to the cross, and he died for you. And when he died for you on the cross, he's saying to you, like, I'm dying for your sin, and do you know the way to come to Jesus Christ? It's by saying this. It's by saying and believing in your heart. I'm a sinner. I jacked it all up. I look at my life and I see these pleasures and they're going nowhere. And I want Jesus to show me more of that.
And I see that when he went to the cross, he died for me. And I see that when he bled out, it was for me. His blood was for me. But more than that, he was resurrected from the dead. And because of his resurrection, that is, makes everything that he said absolutely meaningful. It means this, that what he says is true. It means this, that I can live my life for him because he is God and I am not. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? None of this can take place in your life without that first step. Give your life to Jesus Christ. And guess what? We don't have to talk about guns. We don't have to talk about politics. We may talk about those things, but we don't have to. We can talk about the glory of Christ. We can be, bring people really changed. Why? Because we were changed first. Let's pray. Lord, there are so many false hopes in this world. There are so many, there's so many things that we could be after. And all of us in this room have, have some false hope, some type of pleasure that we've been seeking that is not on you. So every one of us has repentance, has confession and repentance to do this morning. Lord, show us where you are not it for us. Show us the idolatry of our lives. It's money, sex, and power. It's, it's business. It's self-expression. It's selfishness. It's fulfillment. It's feeling good. May we live Christ. May we see dying as gain in, in, in contrast to our whole world. God, would you do that in our lives?